What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my yeah, baby, man. and these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last is? time that anybody has ever asked you a no question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. I'm Evan Grant. The man across from me, Barry Horn, on the phone. David Moore at the Star, who sounds like he's very intense. David, are you are you uh, in a quiet area? You're very succinct, and you also sound disgusted to welcome me onto the show. But that's okay. We have NPR. It's this is NPR Evan here today. <laughs> oh, we've moved into that mode. Okay, got it. David, I've been here since nine thirty with Barry. Wouldn't you be disgusted after two hours? Also. Well, yeah, just my brief 10-minute uh, uh, warm-up conversation, I think. There uh, you go. Uh, so, um, David, what's the mood out at Valley, Ran- at Valley Ranch at the star this week um, for uh, the big uh, Chargers game after the, the fine Eagles performance? Well, Evan, since you asked, I actually just emerged from practice, and I was surprised at how upbeat practice was. Um, they were uh, – the, the mood is – pretty good from what we're able to tell uh that may surprise some people based off a team that has not only lost its last two games but been outscored 47 to nothing in the second half and find themselves in a very precarious position but um they seem to be handling at least uh practice well maybe you should have stayed for the second half of practice (laughs) exactly unfortunately they kick us out for that Maybe we know now. Maybe we know now what happens in the second half of practice. We're seeing it play out during game. Apparently, David, the uh, you know you you brought up the forty, and we talked a little bit with Trey Wingo this morning about the Cowboys uh, on a previous podcast. But you brought up forty-seven nothing in the in the second half of the last two games. He brought it up, and and you know in their five losses this year, they've been outscored one ten to twenty three after halftime. Uh, on social media, I've certainly got a lot of pushback from fans that that that's a reflection on coaching. What's your take? Well, I think there's uh, an element of coaching in there. We've talked before on, on this podcast about how uh, Jason Garrett is a very methodical thinker, and he, he, he front loads. He puts everything into the preparation, the analytical look at a game, and then once he's in a game, I think he's slow and sometimes even loath to make changes uh, because that's a – that would be a recognition that, well, you know what, uh, what we put together wasn't the best plan. It is the best plan. Let's let this play out a little longer until we have no choice but to change. And then he changes it really as a last resort within games. And uh, sometimes that, that comes a little after the curve when most people would say a, a change should come. That is an element of this. But I don't think you can dismiss either that, um, look, superior teams just wear down other teams as the game goes along. And I don't think you can look at 47-0 in these last two games in the second half with Atlanta and Philadelphia 
and say, oh, if only the coaching staff would have done this, if only the coaching staff would have done that. Uh, they've been overpowered uh, and overwhelmed in the second half of these games. And that's just not a strategic or a, a, uh, a lack of adaptation on the coaching staff. That is the guys on the field uh, not executing. That's the guys on the field being uh, losing their individual battles. And so it's, as, uh, as Jason Garrett likes to say, it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. But I really do believe it goes hand-in-hand in, hand in this. But, but now, if, if we were talking about these last two games and we were saying, well, look, uh, they lost by uh, a, you know, a field goal here or four points here, what about this play or that play? What if you would have made this change earlier? I think that's valid. But when you're looking at 47-0, it goes well beyond just the coaching. But, but doesn't the coaching have something to do with all these guys? So if it's strictly talent... It's not motivation. Motivation plays no role in this at all. These guys know that they're good. they can go out, they can get beat, they'll get beat up, uh, they can be embarrassed on the field, and they'll come in Monday morning and, and Jason will be, everything will be fine. I, I don't think, Barry, I don't think motivation is the right word here. I think adaptation is the right word. I, I, I don't think but it these does pl- go back to coaching is my point. I, I, I think that there's a factor of coaching here. But, but David, what, I, I mean, to you, is it, it, does this team lack motivation? Does it lack the ability to adapt more? Well, I think it lacks the ability to adapt. Now, I, I think that in some ways it adapts well. I, I think you look at what happened last year, it adapted well and it adapted quickly. But that also happened going into the season. That happened with practice leading up to each game, and then they were able to carry it out. Um, you know, now look, they they weren't as powerful and efficient in the run game, not just because Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott was out, but because Tyron Smith has been out. Right. And so now they they still run the ball okay, but not at the same level. So you have to adapt. Uh, you know, you have to adapt in the pass protection. They didn't adapt in that Atlanta game clearly. Uh, you have to adapt without Sean Lee in there when you have a different guy. Uh, you know, and again, they, I think they did adapt. I mean, they, you look at them early in that game, in the Philadelphia game, they were playing the run really well. The defense was outstanding. Uh, fundamentally, they just started to break down a little bit in the second half. But again, that's what happens when you have inferior talent. You may be able to hang with the team for a while, and you can talk about next man up all you want, but... Uh, other teams know where your weak spots are, and they're going to pick at it. And, and uh, you know, if they break the wall, they break the wall. Uh, they just broke the wall with the Cowboys much earlier than you anticipated. But the other problem here is, I mean, th- this team is still built to win offensively. And offensively, it scored one touchdown in the last two games. And that came after a, a turnover, gave them the ball with a very, very short field. So uh, th- this team is not performing at a level offensively that it needs to win games. And, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's coaching, uh, but that's also, uh, I think, losing some of the, the dominance that they had. Uh, again, it's, it, it's been so dramatic. I mean, you know, here's a team that was averaging right around 35 points a game for like, you know, five or six games, uh, and now suddenly has, has this issue with scoring. But all of that being said, you look historically across the league, uh, teams that are built on offense, those are the ones that often have a, a dramatic uh, drop-off or a slump uh, when they miss a few guys because that is so much about uh, execution and being finely tuned, even more so than on the defensive side of the ball. Barry, you, you mentioned you mentioned motivation, and I, I think that comes back to accountability. You, you talking about 
the lack of, of of these players having some fear of their of their coach on and coming in on Monday morning. Barry, sorry, I was just looking at at a <laughs> as you knew you knew I was looking at an Edward or tweet to me and no. and picked and picked it up. You you mentioned you mentioned motivation and and I I think that comes back to accountability. Do you think that they they lack some some fear or respect? Yeah, I think they do lack the head f- coach. fear. And, and I, I know people say, oh, behind the door, behind closed doors, Jason Garrett's a, a different, different guy. guy. Yeah. But uh, th- there's no way they fear him the way they, they feared, say, themselves. And, and, David, you know this. We, we get this. The Cowboys are back at 500. And, and, of course, people are going to go right back to the uh, they need to make a change, that Jason Garrett, is yeah. blah, 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 he's, he's a come. robot, or this, that, and the other thing. My biggest issue I brought up with Barry this morning, I brought up with, with, with Trey, is I feel like that with Tyron Smith out, the Cowboys needed to do something to maybe move Dak a little bit more, maybe roll him out, bootleg him a couple of times. Did you expect to see that against the Eagles a little bit? Well, I, I thought um, I, I thought in the Atlanta game, and, and talking to people in the Atlanta game, they wanted uh, – I mean, they did game plan for not having Tyron Smith in there. They now they didn't. Did they chip enough with their backs? I, I think they only did it ten times uh, over the course of the game when when Chaz Green was in there. Did they keep it uh, tight end in uh, on his side to help them enough? They didn't do it that much. But but part of their plan was okay. Uh, we want Dak. You know, we want you to get rid of the ball quicker. Uh, we're going to do some three step drops. We're just going to have you go out and, and get rid of it quicker than you normally do. And that's how we're going to offset the rush. We know we're going to come from that side. The problem was he didn't even have time to do that. I mean, that, that was such a horrible game uh, by Chaz Green and the offensive line. He couldn't even get the ball off quickly. And, and I think what that game did, it, it just really knocked them out of rhythm offensively. And so now you come back and you go with uh, a veteran and Bell coming in the next game. I, I thought they held up a little bit better. David, say something positive. That will we so we can leave our listeners on a positive note. What what good thoughts do you have about the Cowboys? Well, I will say no matter what happens Thursday, they will still play for the remainder of the season. That's is that positive enough? Is that positive enough? I don't know. I'm, that's I'm positive. That that's that. I I think at this point in time, given Cowboy panic and Cowboy free fall, that 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 qualifies as, what if, as positive enough. What if Tony Romo shows up to the game? He's calling the game Thursday with Jim Nance wearing a Cowboy jersey and sh- and shoulder pads. Would you do you think that he'd be ready to come in and play? No. Okay. No. Just uh, that doesn't even require any further explanation. No. Okay. How do you, what, how do you think the fans would react? The fans would go crazy, but that's because there's because fans are fanatics, and it it it, it a lot of times separates them from reality. They they react emotionally, and I, I just I, I I think it would be I think it would be dangerous to Tony Romo's health, oh, to be no perfectly question. honest. And I think it would be you know desperation. Uh, and and I we're dealing in fiction here. I mean, because it's not happening. But uh, absolutely not happening. I just brought that up to give our. Uh, the people who transcribe this a headline. What is Tony Romo going to give out instead of <laughs> Phil Sims? What is he going to give out? Yeah. I don't Didn't Phil question. Sims give out like his iron? Oh, great question. Yeah. You know what? That's an inquiring mind. He gave out the 
he copied the John Madden, the right. Duckin. But he's going to have to give the, something, uh, isn't he? The, 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 all, uh, the iron thing, or maybe that was at the end of the year. That was the, at the end of the year. But, he, but, but, but he gave, they, gave out, they gave out some stupid-looking turkey. Yeah. Yeah. I'll ask. Get, get, get to the bottom of that, will you? Yeah. Uh, David, is, I think the last thing, and we'll let you go on this. Um, Barry brought this up a little bit earlier. We haven't really touched on it, but um, we haven't touched on it with you this morning. What is the deal with Des Bryant? <laughs> well, we're uh, they just opened this earlier. We're about to go into the locker room earlier than we expected. Uh, I heard he was inquiring about me yesterday, so he may want to talk to me today about it. You know, it you was, know he, uh, he once inquired about me in the locker room about this time of year, too. Did he yeah. really? And, and we know how that went, yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm uh, expecting the same sort of uh, discussion. Uh, but, uh, look, it's just uh, we're now at 17 games. Uh since the last 100-yard performance, uh, more than a calendar year, there had been four games in the last 34 regular season games where he's had 100 or more yards. Uh, you have uh, – he, he's not the – look, you can say all you want about the lack of rapport with, with Dak Prescott, uh, but he's still a very good receiver. But I don't think by any objective measure you can argue he's an elite receiver at no. this stage. No. And I think the numbers, we've seen the numbers over time to where I just don't think you can dispute that. And my point was, which is with Ezekiel Elliott out and this offense struggling, you need your playmakers to step, step up. up. And there are very few playmakers left on this offense, and he is one of them. Okay, it sounds and like you're walking into the locker, into the locker room. Will you, will you do me a favor? Close. Don't. Yes. Don't stand behind Chaz Green or Byron Bell because he'll get to you. <laughs> he'll get to me very quickly. I need to go on the other side where, where Travis and Zach Martin are, correct? Uh, I don't know. They, they might, but they, they might just part the ways. Do they like you? I think that's an ender. David, good luck with, with uh, Des today. I'm sure he just has a Thanksgiving basket for you and your family. Um a cornucopia, I believe, is what they call it. Uh, well, I'm sure he does have an o- overflowing cornucopia for you. And um, <laughs> if anything goes wrong, just remember, Rick's can Rick's Rich can fix it. <laughs> I got it, and uh, you enjoy your big wedge of cheese after this podcast. Thank you very much. We'll talk right. to you later. Maybe sure, take okay. care, David. Maybe, should we? Bye, guys. Bye, bye. Should Should one of us call David in about forty minutes and make sure he's okay? Uh, he'll be fine. I'm sure that Des just has some things he'd like to discuss in front of the world. And, That's uh, how players do it. You know what Des Des had a problem with me. They took they took Rich Dalrymple took Des and I to the other side of the building, and everybody still heard 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 the conversation. Listen, I'm, I, uh, and of course that was Valley Ranch. I don't I, know how I've sound, told players for 20 years. I got zero issue with you chewing me out, but if you have an issue with me. Let's try and talk about it one on one and not in front of the whole clubhouse. Have, have, have you ever? Has anybody ever come at you in the clubhouse, uh, stark, raving, angry? No, but I mean, th- there have been guys who have who have said some things. Um, John Wetland, uh, because he was John Wetland, kind of unbalanced on a lot of occasions. Um, there were times when he was upset with me. Uh, I- I'll tell you, the the most professional s- situation I ever had was. There was a point in time where Rick Helling was really upset with some things I had written about. Not upset, but disappointed with some things I had written about the number of 
home runs he had given up and the, and the number of times that I had mentioned it. And he sat there at his locker and talked to me one-on-one about it. And I was like, this is the template for how you get your point across. You know, this was, you, you have an issue, you come to me, you talk to me, you tell me what your issues are. You do it in front of everybody. You rant and rave in front of everybody. I think you kind of lose some some of the gravity of the moment. Barry, has anybody ever come at you besides Des Bryant? Uh, yeah, I'd have a great story about that, too. Thanks for asking, Barry. Um, <laughs> this, this is the most amazing story of all time, and, and maybe it'll be an end, or maybe you'll think it's not. But I once wrote a story. It is, because I'm, I'm late for a lunch appointment. I, go ahead. I once wrote a story about a wrestler named King Kong Bundy. No King Kong Bundy. You know him personally? Well, I know who I wrote is. a story about King Kong Bundy. I met with him. He's, he, he was billed as being from Alaska. Well, he was from New Jersey, and he was just another South Jersey guy. He was a nice guy. And I basically wrote a story for the Dallas Morning News saying what a great guy King Kong Bundy is. He's fighting that. At uh, the old Texas Stadium, he's fighting Fritz von Erich and Fritz von Erich's farewell match. And I'm walking into the stadium. I'm still in the parking lot. And King Kong Bundy comes chasing at me across the parking lot going, you try to ruin my career. You try to kill me. I said, what did I do? He said, you wrote I was a nice guy. You're trying to kill me. And thank heaven Gary Myers was there, who used to work here at the Dallas Morning News. He got between us and he backed King Kong Bundy down. Yeah, he's four foot eight and about ninety pounds. But he's a he's a, he's a tough guy. But th- that was the most amazing story. I wrote a, uh, what I thought was a nice, a nice story, story about a guy, and he thought he go, he thought I was trying to kill his career. Wouldn't happen now because they don't have to sell as much. They don't have to sell as much. I will tell. Here's my wrestling story, and I'll let you go. This is um, this is the the first time my dad ever took me to a wrestling match, uh, Miami Beach Convention Center. And the feature event that we were going to see was a uh, either a bunkhouse match or a lights-out match or a Texas tornado match, and it involved Dusty Rhodes. And I was going to see Dusty Rhodes, and that was the only reason I was there. Well, Joe LaDuke, the Canadian freight train, man who once pulled a train with his teeth, had turned heel. And oh, he no. was he was fighting, uh, I believe it was Jim Garvin, uh, and gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, and something took place in the ring, and all pandemonium broke loose, as Gordon Soley would say. Uh, Indeed, and there was there was a lot of of uh, weirdness going on. And eleven year old Evan had a, a paper Coca Cola cup, and he wadded it up and he threw it in the ring because other people were doing it too. And eleven year old Evan is sure that it hit Joe LaDuke on the chin. Um, and as 11-year-old Evan turned around to let his dad know that, he looked right into a cop who then informed my father that we would be leaving the arena. Oh, no. So I never got to see Dusty Rhodes in that match. I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the Miami Beach Convention Center because, as you know, I used to work at the Miami Herald. And whatever day the wrestling, the wrestling card was, let's say it was Friday, Friday afternoon, before the card even happened, Chris Dundee— who was a promoter, Angelo Dundee's brother, used to bring the results into into the sports department at the Miami Herald five or six hours before they even went in, and we'd put it in agate and and go away for, and go home for the night. I'm t- I'm still old school. I loved that old school wrestling. I loved I loved how they tried to sell it, and I loved all of that. But you know, you watch you watch the thirty for thirty on Ric Flair, and you see the last twenty minutes, and you know how many guys. Basically lived that life. and uh, Or even if you watch the movie The Wrestler, which I think was one of the all-time greats, uh, it's a hard, hard life. Those guys become that personality, and, and it doesn't end up in a happy story. No. It just never does. So um, 
it, it, it's unfortunate. Really, it really is. One of my favorite assignments here at the morning news. I once went up and did a story on uh, Steve McMichael, who who is a professional wrestler. I spent time with him in Auburn Hills, and I was backstage behind behind thing. And the great the great the backstage and the great thing was. At dinner time, everybody sat down and had dinner together and was talking. And then, man, when the lights went on, it was a whole different game. They sold it, and then they went out, and they drove to the next town, and they drank together and partied together. And a lot of those guys, just like Flair, became alienated in a lot of ways from their families. You know, I, it was the, 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 the last thing that Flair said in that 30 for 30 was had, when he was asked about his legacy, and they said, he said, well, I wasn't the greatest husband, and I certainly wasn't the greatest father. Uh, but I'd like to be remembered as the greatest wrestler, and um, that's, you know I, that's sad. I that's think. sad. I mean, it really is because I, I've been a stepfather for five years, and uh, I've been a husband for five years, and there is nothing more that I cherish in this world than those two um, titles. And I, I, I don't know how guys can give it up for it, but they do, and 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 it entertains a lot of us when we're kids, and it entertains a lot of us when we're adults, but. Um, Every once in a while, you get a documentary like that, or you get a movie like The Wrestler that hits close to home, and you realize that that these guys have have have, have just really kind of given up their personal lives for, for for the showmanship and for hearing the crowd cheer. There, so. But you know what? That's not the only profession where people do give up their personal lives. But let's 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 end it on a happy note, Evan. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday, Doug. Producer's been in here all day. Have a great holiday, and we'll see you all next week. Bye bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.